Welcome to our podcast, the Harvard Journal of Hispanic Policy, a premier publication focused on public policy issues that impact Latinx and Hispanic communities in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. Today, you'll get an inside look into the stories that shape our Latinidad and propel us forward. Hola, this is Rodrigo Dorador. I'm a second year master's in public administration student at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government and the co-editor-in-chief of the Harvard Journal of Hispanic Policy. I'm excited to be with you today hosting a conversation with Delia Garcia, the first Latina Secretary of Labor in the state of Kansas. Joining us for this podcast, we have Rafael Carbonell, the Executive Director for the Topman Center for State and Local Politics. Rafael, ¿cómo estás? Muy bien, muy bien, gracias. Um, for those who are not yet aware, uh, could you share with us what the mission of the Topman Center is? Sure. The, the Topman Center for State and Local Government really is helping to support states, counties, and cities uh, in, with their governance and their public service. Um, we do that through research, through teaching, through programming and technical assistance, and through convening uh, thought leaders um, who like to both think and do. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Your perspective on state and local politics is going to be invaluable in this conversation. Joining us as well, we have our guest of honor, Secretary Delia Garcia. She serves as the Cabinet Secretary for the Kansas Department of Labor. She was confirmed by the Senate on May 3rd, 2019, and she returned to Kansas after serving eight years in Washington, D.C. in executive and senior leadership roles in national organizations like Reflect Us, the National Migrant Seasonal Head Start Association, and the National Education Association. In 2004, she was elected to the Kansas House of Representatives, where she served six years and served on the Commerce and Labor Committees at her request. Delia made Kansas history by becoming the first Latina and the youngest female to serve in the Kansas legislature in 2004. In her cabinet role, Secretary Garcia is utilizing her business policy national management and advocacy expertise to serve hardworking Kansans and their families. Hola, Delia. ¿Cómo estás? Hola, hola. Bien, ustedes? Bien, bien. Let's get right into it. Mm -hmm. You've had a lot of firsts in your career. Mm -hmm. Of special interest is the fact that you are the youngest female and the first Latina to serve in the Kansas legislature, and now the first Latina to serve at a cabinet-level position for the state. Thank you so much for paving the way. Representation matters. Um, so, we're going to start way back because I'm really interested interested to learn about your story. What was it like growing up as a Latina in Wichita, Kansas, and how has that influenced your decision to enter public service? Yes. Um, well, thank you for having me. This is exciting to be with you both. Um, growing up in Wichita, Kansas, uh, I was born and raised there. My dad is from western Kansas and my mother is from south Texas. And all my grandparents are from Mexico. Um, and so um, learning and, and seeing my grandparents and them starting our restaurant um, was my identity, really the first introduction to customer service, um, public service, uh, where it was like a natural thing. Um, there's five daughters in my family. And so really we were all excited because when we were 10, we could really be in the public in the front of the restaurant. So I was like a you know hostess, cashier. And of course, as a teenager, I was a... Um, uh, waitress and everything else after that. So learning then um, custom, good customer service and how that translates to now, same thing as Secretary of Labor, I want to make sure that we are um, delivering the best customer service to our hardworking Kansas and their families. Uh, so for me, I, I like to do everything in a family approach. Um, 
and even my the, my team, I want to make sure that, you know, there, there's as families do, we fight sometimes, but we, at the end of the day, we still love each other, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have the best time ever. So, I, I am very proud to brag about my my team because my team is my our, our success, and we we are doing, I, in my opinion, a really good job in in delivering the best customer service and trying to figure out the best ways to, to be do stuff new fresh ideas. Perfect. And as Secretary of Labor, could you tell us a little bit more about how you uh, picked your team and what are your top priorities for yes. the next couple of years? Yes. Um, so I was I wanted to be very intentional um, about putting my team, creating it, putting it together. One of the first things I did when the secretary, when the governor, uh, Laura Kelly, uh, my boss, my amazing boss, when she asked me to serve as Secretary of Labor. Um, right away, that was on a Thursday. On Friday morning, I was already messaging a former Secretary of Labor of the United States and a former Kansas Secretary of Labor, and I said, "What is your top piece of advice? What in the first week do I need to be doing, and in the first month?" And both of them, not knowing each other, both of them said, "Make sure you put your team together." You know, and in essence, that was one of the top things. Um, and so I intentionally did that. I then Google searched the current team um, to, who was our, our secretary at the agency. And one of the people that I had saw, uh, I was impressed with, the deputy, well, who is now my deputy secretary. At the time, he was UI director. And, um, you know, I, I like to share the story because it's, it's actually a pretty cool story, real fast. Um, I had, you know, Googled me as today Hall did with me, those who didn't know me when I was in the legislature. And, and when I asked him um, in the first week, I said, would you be, uh, how would you feel about serving as my deputy secretary? And then he sat up, because he had a pin and pad, he's like, what personnel issues do we have to work? I said, wait, 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 Let's, I want to talk about you and me first. And so I said, you know, and we got to talking, and then I said, how would you feel about serving as my deputy secretary? And he says, you know, secretary, in, in 2016, um, my, I have two daughters, Molly and Emma, and we watched the presidential election. And the next morning, um, my daughter said, Daddy, Daddy, the, the mean man beat the smart woman, the smart lady. And he says, in this year's election, this last election, my daughters woke up the next day and they said, Daddy, Daddy, the smart woman won the election this time, beat the mean man. And he says, it would be my honor to serve. Uh, oh, he says, and my, uh, he told my, he said, I told my daughters that my Daddy's new boss is the smart lady. He says, it would be my honor to, to serve as your deputy. And I was like, oh, slam dunk. <laughs> and ever since then, um, you know, he helped me then identify because he knew a lot of the internal. And I'm a firm believer about uh, let's work from a space of what are your strengths. And so he helped me identify somebody to do, you know, his position. Uh, we then uh, did a search for our legal, who's amazing. Um, with with me today is my um, communications director and legislative liaison, where she and I served in legislature together. So I knew I didn't have to teach somebody. I wanted a, a bulldog who knew the legislative process uh, and had the relationships, um, and then the communications team to do things in a new, fresh way. So really, um, putting the team together and who we have is we have a special synergy. I can't put into words. But um, because we have that, and I know it's important to make sure that, one, I capitalize on their strengths as they are the experts, but also to empower them to make sure, what are your fresh ideas? What are you? What do you think we should do in your space? And how do we do that? put that together and delivering the best customer service to our Kansas workers? That's great. Maybe we can build out from there. So the work of the Department of Labor inherently intersects with the private sector, right? Yes. And, and, and you as, as government and the public sector, the work can cut across different agencies. 
Can you tell us how you navigate the, um, the either the challenges or opportunities that come with that the need for that collaboration between private, public sector, and other sectors, and also across the agencies? Yes, uh, and I'm sorry I didn't answer one of the some of the, some of the goals and priorities, and then I went into sure. that. So uh, one of the things we want to do is modernize um, our systems because that's something that we were, especially our, our unemployment insurance system, mm. where we were you know, cutting checks, paper checks, and not doing stuff. We even got a, a debit card put in now, or doing direct deposit, things like that, and having fresh ideas. And that leads into what mm. your question was, Rafael, just now is um, how, well, one, identify, in my first month, I made it a, a priority to meet with business leaders and union leaders, mm-hmm. and to let them both know that we are going to be meeting on a, a regular basis, and this this agency is your house, too. Um, and so bringing the groups together, uh, I'm in the process of creating a advisory council that will include mm. them and um, education stakeholders and perhaps other stakeholders. So bringing the two uh, agencies like, um, you know, it's imperative, our, my governor, uh, Laura Kelly, has said that she wanted to make sure that we're not working in silos. So specifically with Department of Commerce and Department of Labor, where it's hand in hand. Um, if we're going to move this economy forward, we work together and think, and we are doing that, especially around uh, opportunities with workforce um, and then also our education partners. Uh, we work with our technical ed uh, partners and how do we prepare that. And then in new spaces right now, um, one of the areas that I want to make sure we do more work in is human trafficking. So we're working with our Department of Transportation and our Highway Patrol who have an interest, but our agency is taking the lead and really working with the United States Department of Labor and what are some of the um, uh, assistance and the programs and grants that we could take advantage of and then we're you know being encouraged by our governor to make sure that we're working together across interagency mm-hmm. so I, I know and trust that we're gonna have some amazing stuff come out that's going to take a strong team to do that and mm-hmm. i do believe we have that in place sure kansas is at a 3.3 percent unemployment yes. um, one of the lowest in the yeah. nation right yeah at you know the, the 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 being the secretary of labor means you need to be that Secretary of Labor for all Kansans mm-hmm. throughout the entire state. Mm-hmm. How do you go about the the issue of rural versus urban and suburban uh, and, and being that representative for all, um, particularly when you're looking at a 3.3% unemployment rate? What are some of those challenges you face and how do you go about approaching that? Um, thank you for asking. You know, So I, I was, a, as you know, a former legislator. A lot of times people were were asked, you know, so how is it tough, you know, Republican, Democrat? It wasn't really ever Republican, Democrat fights. It was more so urban, rural fights. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned, one of a lot of my team, including Julie with me today, is from Southeast Kansas, where that's rural, mm-hmm. a little bit of urban. Um, but making sure I lean on my team to say, when we do, like, for example, um, we just did the first um, the, uh, state of labor report. Uh, that was last on the Wednesday, the 28th. Um, so you can find it on our website, www.dol.ks.gov, or any of the social media. But one of the things that we did for the first time in, in our presentation was to identify the different regions. And in that, uh, we were able to speak to rural Kansans mm. and so they could see what is it, what does their region look like. Um, so that's one, to be able to, that was a signal to we let the public know we are paying attention and we're going to, um, identify those areas and oppor- areas of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that we I want to make sure that we're doing and in, in intentionally is when we go across the state, we have uh, four or five offices across the state that we go to the states that we're meeting with those state legislators and the, those their districts and to hear from them what is their feedback. Mm-hmm. 
and that sets good relationship building for when we when there is legislative session mm -hmm. and we said well we're not strangers we we have worked together in the past and, and that's always good po policy period is mm -hmm. the relationships so the decennial census uh, in 2020 uh, guides the allocation or is going to uh, guide the allocation of 800 to 900 billion dollars in federal funding it determines congressional representation and districting and underpins important business and governmental decisions um, uh, the 2020 census is on the government accountability's office yeah list of high-risk projects due to difficulties that could arise in implementation of logistics, software issues for households that fill out the form digitally, the cost of sending out enumerators to households that didn't respond electronically or lack access to the internet, and of course for many households just the fear of filling out the census. What can state and local governments, nonprofits, and businesses do to ensure that the outcome of the 2020 census is equitable across the board <laughs> what can they do they can do a whole lot um, <laughs> and and when I say that I am not joking um, I, you know if we, if we can talk about this every day at the kitchen table that's what that's what we need to be doing local government where they're already in in you know sending their water bills or whatever utility bills putting that information out there using also social media doing that but also engaging with nonprofits who to work in in deep with some of the communities that are hard to count, uh, where they are trusted, um, you know, stakeholders like if it's the church or the soccer team, or um, you know, in general, just groups that are trusted to have them at the table. Um, right now, we see the opportunities of uh, grant monies from like uh, certain nonprofits or you know, giving monies to certain localities to say, here's two thousand dollars. Uh, do with it you as, you as you please to get to these hard to count communities. Um, but as a, a state agency, we're, we are a part of the governor's um, CCC, the, the uh, Census Complete Count Committee. And so we're doing what we can as an agency. When we go to visit our um, state offices, we also do an evening uh, meeting with the community and share the importance. You know, just recently we went to Southwest Kansas, which is a majority, uh, you know, Latino. In the state of Kansas, that's the majority is like 80% in that town. Um, to, and making sure that we answer the questions. And at first, they were pretty reserved at the beginning of the hour. And then towards the end of the hour, once I got real with them and said, look, and so one of the, the questions was asked, is that quite, is the immigration question on there? And we had to assure them, no, it's not. And not only is it not, but we want to make sure that the whole reason behind that was, um, you know, in my opinion, that the president wanted to scare a certain community. And if that form is not filled out, that wins. You have the power to win. And filling out that form does that. Oh, and by the way, you can call in. It's ten, By the way, it's 10 questions. And by the way, you can do it over the phone. And by the way, you can avoid someone coming to your door if you do it on time and early. And April Fool's Day, and April 1st, you don't want to be a fool and not fill it out, answer the 10 questions. <laughs> so right now, it's and having fun with it, right? Um, you know, one of the things, they, one of the census lines is uh, fill it out once and fill it out the right place. And so I love, everyone knows my favorite singer is Selena. <laughs> so <laughs> she has that one of his songs. So if I could just have that song play each time I talk about it, uh, you know, and having fun with it, with the community. So it's not so scary. Um, so I, I, I was telling the, the community the other night, I come from a big family, 
And one thing that my sisters or my cousins are good at is chismeando. And how do we uh, make it, you know, chismeando means, you know, friendly gossip. The how do we talk about it, like include talking about the census all the time, where it's like a normal thing to talk about so that way people are not afraid of it. Um, right now, between now and um, New Year's Eve is just the education informing part. So we have to be out there every time, everywhere, talking about the census is important, why it's important, it's only 10 questions. Oh, and by the way, if you don't want to answer all 10 questions, although I want you to answer all 10 questions, the two most important questions are how many people live in the house and what are the ages of those people. Remind you, you don't have to put names. You don't have to put anything else. Those are the two main questions of the 10 for you to make sure to answer. And by the way, you can do it on the phone. You can do it um, on your uh, calling in or even on the internet. Um, we are going to try and partner with some of the workforce centers to see if they can um, do it in, with free internet access. Uh, universities, student organizations who tend to be a little broke sometimes, they can open up, you know, their club can open up the certain part of the campus and host it and fill out the census form at one night or the, if the community trusts that organization and the students in that organization, that's an easy lift. Um, so again, that's a fun lift too. You can, somebody can provide some thought code or something. Um, so and making it fun and making it an engagement. That's great. And and I'm curious to, to learn a little bit about uh, federal funding. How, how could um, the outcome of the census impact your department specifically? Well, um, my agency, well, I'm not sure how directly, I mean, I know the programming to, to the various parts of it. I'm not sure of the Department of Labor, per se. But statewide. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure the statewide, the, the programming's in general, the, the public ones. Like, when we go to the communities, what one thing we tell them is, if you don't fill it out, this is going to affect your family directly with um, ESL classes or this is the one we recently went to, um, or the WIC programs, or the after-school programs for adults and for students. Um, but for us, it, we, we have what's called LMIS, which is Labor Market Information Systems, where we measure um, employers of where they, um, are, how many workers they have for them, and also uh, where the job markets are, are, are pointing to. That would be, where we would be able to measure some mm -hmm. of the stuff, but not per se funding would be cut. Mm -hmm. Secretary, folks might be looking you up online right now yeah. just to learn about your background. What's one fun fact about you they will not find online? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Um, That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I have to my communications director <laughs> 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 say something. If you can't Filter or unfiltered. <laughs> We have a witness. Yeah, that's true. So to close off, uh, we're inviting every guest to our podcast to share with us their wisdom on how to advance the public interest as interests on all sides have become more entrenched, more passionate, and the conversations have become increasingly more polarized, how do you work to establish common ground 
with stakeholders that find themselves in disagreement about how to advance the public interest? Well, one, uh, bringing them to the table and actually talking to them. And not even, not, and not even let me re uh, rephrase that, bringing them to the table and listening to them. Because when I know what their interests are, and I know what the interest of this other group is, then I know the next move I'm going to do is put them all together in the same room, and how do we achieve that common goal? Because everybody has a common goal. Sometimes they just don't know it. Um, so to be the convener of that is, uh, in my leadership, I want to be able to do that when we have been doing that and doing it more, especially leading up to when we're making laws for the state, which in Kansas we have every year legislative session. So January is coming around the corner. Um, so that's one of the things that we'll be doing, continuing to do. We've already been meeting with um, stakeholders, but bringing them together again in one room and saying, how can we work on whatever issue? Like right now, we, we know we need more of a prepared workforce, especially to prepare for what could be coming in the future, whether it's a possible recession or also the next industrial revolution coming in about like 2030. It's, it's the conference we're here uh, for today is they've shared every 30 years there's an industrial revolution. So right now, what that looks like is you know automation, what and how are we preparing our workforce to be ready for that? And that and that involves employers and employees, um, and job seekers and just in general Kansans. And so being able to talk about that out loud and and listen to people's ideas and implement um, some good practices from other people who are already doing a good job is what we'll be doing. Right. Thank you so much, Secretary Garcia, for joining us. Thank you, Rafael. Thank you. Thank you. To our listeners, please join us next month as we talk with the mayor of the city of Topeka, Kansas, Michelle de la Isla. He's my about, friend too. Yeah, <laughs> and she's coming over. And we're going to talk about inclusive economic development and strategies for leading and building diverse organizations. Until then, cuídense. Nos vemos pronto. Yes, thank you. And follow us also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kansas Department of Labor. Perfect, thank you.